0: Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite
1: athlete, author and public speaker, Adam Strong.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers experience with myself, Adam Strong, here for another fun-packed show with myself and, and a really good friend of mine, actually. We turned into really good friends, actually, and her name is Julie, and Julie is the founder of... Peer Performance Solutions is based in Minnesota and she specializes in enhancing individual and organizational performance, which I'm a big fan of by the way. She also does a lot of stuff in organizational leadership consulting. Uh, She's also written a book, which, which is called five senses, uh, five senses for success, which is all around the strategies in order to thrive in a particular area. She's also done some variety of different work in uh, for non for profits also multinational companies. It's got an abundance of huge amounts of experience, and uh, she's also uh, big fans of some of the people that uh, that have spoken here on the podcast, such as Marshall Goldsmith and so forth. So, Julie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate you having me here today on Game Changers. I thank you very much.
0: You're absolutely welcome. It's uh, great to have you. And uh, interestingly enough, I um, was going to say, I know that uh, I want to I want to dive in straight in because I know that. Um, you know leadership and success and you know they they're, they're not what i call wow fact you know they're not they're always talked about and so i'd, I'd really kind of want to delve in what your opinions and what your aspect is around things like success and leadership and how they intertwine into each other if i may um sure i wanted to ask you a, a question because uh, my first question i, I suppose in, in a way is like, you've written a book called five senses um, mm-hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about that. What is the concept behind five senses? What, what do you mean by five senses? What, what is a sense in, in and how does it apply to what you do?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to get into that. First, I want to just talk a little bit about how I view leadership and success, if I might. Absolutely. Um, success is very individualized, it's very customized to a specific person, and um, it is based on their own individual aims what they want in life so that I think that each person has to aim for what is their own success Um, often we chase success that we see other people have and it may not fit for us so thinking about that and then in terms of leadership I'm a big believer in personal leadership in any role so whether one is in a leadership a formal leadership role or not I think that we all have the ability to show and display leadership with anybody that we live or work with or meet in the community or what have you. So I think, I think of success and leadership that way. Now, moving into the five senses for success, my book, um, what that is, is I took the five traditional or original senses of see, hear, touch, taste, and smell, and I've shifted them into what I view as deeper, more meaningful senses of observe, listen, feel, engage, and appreciate. And I can, I mean, I understand that some of those are easier to see how they transition. See to observe makes sense automatically, but something like taste to engage uh, might be less clear just from hearing the words, but I do explain all of that in the book. Um, With taste and engage, uh, with taste, it's a multi-sensory experience we observe the food, we touch it, we have the tactile uh, feeling of it in our mouth. Similarly, when we engage with people, we engage multiple senses. We observe, we listen, we have feelings, and we use all of those multi-senses to engage. So what I did is just shift those senses. And um, I think it's important to note too that when we're using those senses to dig deeper and build more meaningful relationships, it's not just relationships with others. It's also relationship with.
0: Cool. Very good. Awesome. Now I know that, um, I went into what, uh, what, <clears throat> interestingly enough, and I, I love it. that the, the, the fact that you've turned the traditional five senses and turned it into more, would you say it's more applicable to like the corporate world or corporate organizations? Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I say that we can use these anywhere. So I definitely see a role for them in leadership and in working within organizations to get work done. I think what is um, really important about the census is that whenever we aim for anything, whether it's a personal goal or a career goal, um, we have to work with others. We have to collaborate. We have to um, be able to uh, partner to make things happen. And if we engage the senses I talk about in the book, then we're able to do that in a better, more seamless fashion. We're able to address differences of opinion. We're able to address different styles in a way that makes work go more smoothly. And as a leader, it helps you understand your staff. It helps you understand how to motivate them, how to inspire them to greater actions and um you know outcomes and performance so mm. i see it as applicable across many arenas but definitely in the workplace
0: very cool excellent very good um why would you say from your perspective why are the five senses so important in in the realms of leadership you mentioned leadership on a couple of occasions um, and, but more importantly, I suppose, a second question as part of that is, then how do you then apply those principles of sensors in the leadership realm? And even with things like, you know, increasing employee engagement in organizations uh, with regards to uh, motivating staffs, you know, you mentioned around gratitude and appreciation, which I'm a big fan of, by the way. Um, what's your take on that?
1: Sure. So in leadership, the the first thing I want to say about that is that we are better able to work with and um, display value for um, a vast array of types of people, a vast diversity of people, and we are able to navigate those difficult situations that arise. In every corporate world, there will be conflict, there will be differences of opinion, there will be um, Personal goals that get in the way of team or project goals. So, um, being able to navigate those more seamlessly is helpful. Mm. So, if, if you know, when I'm working with leaders, often one of their biggest barriers is holding people accountable in their organization, the people that report to them. It is like a huge stumbling block for many leaders that I work with. And so, um, in employing the five senses, we're able to uh, help them uh, build relationships in a different way, listen deeper, um, be present more. Uh, I think too often leaders are, and all of us in any kind of conversation, but specific to leaders, leaders are thinking about the many pressures on them to make sure they're reaching departmental or divisional or whatever it is, goals. And then um, how can they, inspire the staff below them to help fulfill on those. And the pressure gets in the way of trying to build those relationships. So trying to um, get them to pause, uh, do some self-reflecting, and then um, some different approaches to the way that they work with their staff. For instance, if we think of listening, which I think is a really, really key um, sense from my book, one of the things that we aren't always, as humans, when we're in conversation, uh, whether it's one on one conversation, you know, leader to staff, or it's a team group conversation, we aren't always present with the listening. So, being present first and foremost. So, not thinking about our grocery list or our sick child or whatever it may be, but that being present. Um, and then, one of the challenges is that when we start to feel our insides um, disagree, and I think we can feel that anywhere in our body, but we feel it in our body. And when we start to feel that, sometimes we shut down our listening a little bit. And we start thinking about how we're gonna reply instead of really hearing and, and taking the time to understand this perspective. So I went through training with uh, Judith Glazier when she was still alive. Uh, she has a book, Conversational Intelligence. And one of the key things I took out of that training was ask a question you do not know the answer to. Because when you do that, you open up avenues you haven't explored. You open up um, the opportunity to build trust. So trust is kind of interesting because it actually shows up physically in our body. So when we... Um, start to ask questions, dig deeper, try to learn that other person's perspective. We actually create changes in the brain, and when we work to co-create like that, um, where there's an exchange of ideas, we the brain will actually start to the brains of the people involved will start to mirror each other. So they've seen this in functional MRIs, and you can actually see that they start to look similar is being built and as that trust is being built that is how we are able to um, start navigating some of those more challenging situations where okay now we have a team we have maybe three different options for moving forward how are we going to discuss how we move forward with that
0: got it got it very good very cool um, <laughs> i wrote down a ton of uh, other things i wanted to um, ask you off uh, the back of the conversation so that was interesting um, i wanted to um sort of a, you you so talked what? about accountability um why from your perspective do a lot of leaders um business owners forte whatever it is why do they find it so difficult with accountability is it is it the fact that they already feel so responsible in terms of oh, yeah. like where they are in terms of position what's the what's the what's 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 the uh, what, what's your thoughts on that
1: I think there might be a couple of things leading into that. So I think first I'll address the internal. And oftentimes I come to understand as I'm coaching a, a leader or executive um, that there is a lack of confidence. So what happens often is as we grow up through a corporation or whatever organization we may work through, um, we keep getting more and more responsibility as we are showing performance that is good right right and as that more responsibility comes not always are we fully equipped by the powers of that organization with how to handle or address that responsibility and so there's sometimes a lack of confidence in what do i even do in this situation got it that's and then um, on the external Let's be frank. The hardest part of leadership is having those accountability conversations. The fun part is hiring, training, you know, rewarding. Those are all fun, but the hard part is the accountability conversation and um, helping inspire change in how somebody is performing. And so, um, when that comes into play, I'm trying to look at both sides of that: the inside and the external. Um, when uh, when uh, working with that mix, if you aren't addressing the confidence elements, it is very difficult to have the hard conversations, right? Because if you don't feel confident in where you are, you might feel a little like a poser asking somebody to do something differently. And if you aren't, if you aren't feeling like you have the skills, to have those challenging conversations um, when likely conflict is going to have Most often, employees that are having, you know, uh, an accountability conversation coming their way, they aren't saying, welcome, come on in. (laughs) I'd be happy to have that conversation. They're a little bit um, defensive and combative and often, not always. Um, And so if you don't feel like you have the skills to navigate that conversation in a way that will help both the leader and the employee, then that can come into play as well. Mm-hmm. So um, not only that, but I, I, I work with them to give them the specific kind of phraseology and things that you can use to help them. And I always like to come at it with um, the idea of if somebody is not performing in a role, it's probably because that role is not the right fit for them. True. So how can I help them at it, when I've been a leader in organizations, how can I help them to find what is right to um, alter this as may be needed as much as possible within the organization construct and, um, and help them succeed the way they really want to, you know, inside of them succeed. So
0: I right, will
1: cool. come at it with that
0: framework. Very cool, very good. Um, I wanted to uh, here's a here's a really interesting part because I I'm a big believer in self evaluation, right? You know, what is it that I can do to be be a better leader? What is it that I can do to be a better person? What is it that I can do? Um, Have you got any tips for you know, you know, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs and also business leaders in their own right. Have you got any tips for people? on self-evaluation, how to go about doing it, and what are the benefits?
1: Yes, well, um, I'll talk first about the benefits. So when we pause to reflect on how we've done in a situation, we give ourselves the opportunity to learn and grow. If we do not pause and reflect, we take, we steal that opportunity from ourselves. So we're actually harming ourselves if we don't take that time. We are harming our career growth. We are harming our um, ability to expand our capabilities. So, I think that's why it's really important. Um, In terms of how to do that, I've often coached um, leaders to schedule time for thinking. So, thinking can look a lot of different ways, right? It can actually be at a computer thinking, it could be meditating in a chair with your eyes closed briefly, it could be taking a walk. It can be a lot of different ways, but where the sole goal during that time is to reflect back on any given situation, usually you're focused on what were the difficult ones, what happened, how could I have approached it differently, so thinking right. about that. Um, and then when the reflection has taken place, then I get into the space of experimenting. So for each individual, we don't know what's going to work for them until they have tried it for themselves. So there are different ways you can approach things and taking the time to um, help brainstorm ideas of approaches, taking the time to experiment different approaches. You know, Maybe there is a conflict with one of your staff that's pretty regular and difficult and, and you really need this person in this key role to perform well. So trying to um, figure out what is the right approach for this person that's gonna help this person succeed. And by wow. helping them succeed, um, we um, become, um, you know, as a group, as a, you know, again, depending, division, department, whatever it may be, we become more successful because of that person.
0: Cool. Very good. Awesome. Now, I know that you quoted, and I think it's on your website, but I can't remember, but I I wrote it down here. And you said, in, in, you believe in today's world, there is a relationship crisis now, why do you think there's a relationship crisis? I want to challenge you on this, and, and, and I want to know what your thoughts are when you, when, you, when you wrote that.
1: So I observe, using one of my words, I observe that in society, uh, I live in the U.S., that um, it can it expands a lot of places, sure. the globe, um, that too often are leaders in society, and that can be governmental leaders, that can be corporate leaders, that can be um, leaders in nonprofit realms, whatever whatever those leaders are, um, aren't displaying what I would think of as good leadership and relationships. Because they are shutting down conversations, they are, and ideas, and innovation. I mean, all of these things we want to happen, to um, continue to grow in society, in work, whatever it may be, that shut things down. There's a lot of really horrible rhetoric that occurs in the news, in social media, in um, discourse between, say, political figures for leaders in organizations. And um, I think that is why I say there's a leadership crisis. I think that too often we move to what I call violent ways of interacting. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily hitting or, or doing something physical. We can be violent with our words too. And so that is where I'm saying there's a relationship.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I mean that, you know, just being in the digital world, I I mean, that can mean so many different things for so many different people, especially in the world of leadership, by the way. Um, Interestingly enough, Um, yeah, good thoughts. Um, now you're a big advocate of we, we talked about this before about building relationships. You've mentioned the word relationships on a number of occasions. Now what I'm I know that a lot of our listeners are interested in is you know they, they want to grow their business or they want to uh, you know they want to be a better leader, they want to see improvements, they want to move forwards right that's that, that's essentially what they want. But in order to do that they've got to build, um, deep connection to do that right that's kind of one of the fundamental building blocks from yes. when you when you work with with clients especially with your clients and and you and and you and you see an um, an opportunity where you feel like that particular person they, they really needs to become more human right and they really need to build these deep connections with their their employee their team and so forth what are some of the um how how do you go about helping them to build that deep connection what is the process behind that
1: well, first i need to work with them to help them understand why it's important and i don't do that by saying this is important because i tend to ask a lot of questions so if they're describing a situation i'll ask more to fully understand the situation and then i'll ask things like well, what would have happened if you had approached it this way Or what could you have done differently? What different way could you have said that? You know, I try to just ask some questions about the ways that they are talking about whatever is top of mind for them. And then as we move forward, um, when they start, what I see happen is they start to incorporate some of these ideas that we talk about. And I will reflect back. That sounds like you're shifting the relationship. It sounds like you're enhancing the relationship. And so I kind of just embed the thought in our conversations as we're working
0: forward. Cool, very good. Um, in terms of, um, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of stay on the whole kind of connection thing. And when you're trying to improve relationships with you and your team and, and things like that, you know, if, if there is a, a lead if there's a leader uh, you know especially some of our leaders we all need to make improvements whether it be through listening skills whether it be to more be, be more open or whatever it might be um if someone is not what i call a people's person right now all leaders should be pe- people people pe- people's persons but not everyone is right whether it be an introvert an right. extrovert whether it be uh and, and a, whatever.
1: yes <laughs> exactly
0: right so from your perspective like I know that, especially if we look at, say, personality traits, which might be kind of your reds, which are more kind of domineering, you know, sort of controlling type, where you might get sort of the greens, a green type of personality, which might be kind of more, I suppose, nurturing type of people. Um, how does um, each, say, individual leaders in particular, what's your thoughts about, um, you know, the first stages of, you know, if, if people aren't those but the type of people that like to or the types of leaders that aren't what they call people's person, what tips and strategies you have for those types of uh, leaders?
1: Well, so, again, I go back to the approach that I was talking about where I'm really asking them questions and they can include things like, okay, I heard you approach this situation this way, maybe a hard, abrupt, stern, controlling, yeah. whatever yeah. kind of way. what did you observe as the reaction from the team? Good question. You know, I ask these kinds of questions and then they probably don't know at that time. And then I'll say something like, what if next time you're having a conversation like that, you pay attention to how they're reacting and see what happens. And then it's kind of a process, right? And then they come back with some observations. And then what if, you approached it in a different manner. What are the, what are some other manners that you want to approach it in? And so I'm not giving them, I could, I could say, you know, if you said it, did it this way, I could do that. But I try to get them to realize their own knowledge because they know, they already know. Mm. And so I'm really there mm. to help them surface it, understand it, and then use it to act and behave in a different way. I understand. So um, I can't, I could, I could say, you know, all the things I said in my book, observe, be, uh, feel, um, not in a way, you know, feel, with feel, it's like, don't shut your feelings down. Don't let them run over other people. <laughs> you know, there's a balance there. Uh, listen more deeply, listen to understand their perspectives don't shut down the listening until people have had everything to say that they wanna say. Um, I do mediation, I do mediation, I'm a qualified neutral for the state of Minnesota. And uh, one of our tactics in going into mediation as a mediator is to the very, after introduction of how the process will work. Our first thing is for either side to have uninterrupted time where they get to tell their story, their side of things, what is important to them. And often in a mediation situation, it is the first time the party has actually fully heard that. So it's taking the time to pause and read those things that I talk about in the book. But when I'm coaching, I'm not just saying, here, read the book. I'm trying to help them understand how it impacts them, how they can work within that frame.
0: Mm. It's interesting because it's it's the same with any form of coaching and mentoring. It's rather than sort of saying, This is what you need to do is to really kind of facilitate or give them some direction for them to then realize these are aha moments does that make sense and then it becomes then it becomes more uh, cemented in your subconscious mind if that makes sense
1: it does and often they know and if they truly are stumbling on a situation Then I say, can we brainstorm some ideas together? And then we both bring ideas to the table. And then I say, what seems to be a fit for you? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is. It's that helping them surface their own knowledge, their own abilities to figure this out because they can.
0: Cool. Very good. Um, Now, in your... Now, how does your... Um, not just five senses, but your book methodology, which is essentially the five senses which you're talking about, how does that compare to some of the other principles of success that, that might be out there? How does it compare to what's out there in the market with regards to in the world of leadership and being a better leader and also, you know, and, and you know, sort of being a bit better person? How, do, how does it compare to other methodologies?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are different books that talk about, Steps to be more successful or being a better leader. There are books that tell specific principles like love or what have you. Um, I really think this is unique in that it is very relational focused. But relational elements are critical to our success. Yeah. So these are so important in how we lead, and how we live, and how we learn. In
0: how we impact this world and what yep. we contribute. Very cool. The other thing I, I, I wrote down here, actually, as well, which I suppose is again more around the world of leadership as well, uh, which is all around um, mm-hmm. ego, right? <laughs> and and you know I have these a lot of these conversations, Julie, in Clubhouse, right? And the fact that one of the things that I really detest and hate so much is when you get a business leader or, or someone that puts their own agenda on somebody else. Does that make sense? Um, any,
1: yes,
0: any, any, yeah. any, 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 any tips for those egotistical leaders of how to be a better person?
1: Yeah. So I think that we have to separate a couple of things. So Ego, for the sake of ego, is one thing. And being able to lead a charge of some sort, whether it's a division or a specific project or whatever it may be, um, there is a a little bit of ego in that, a little bit. But when I say a little bit, it it needs to be a little bit. (laughs) Because, um, and that's, I would actually rename that side of it as more confident. Yep. instead of ego yep. even when I think the word ego goes wrong and where that whole concept goes wrong is when there is a leader who is truly focused on their own aims and their own career and their own success whatever that means to them monetary title whatever Yep. without care for how they're impacting others or clients or whatever To me, that is not a good leader. I'm a strong proponent, and actually my next book will be on this concept um, that I'm starting to outline right now. I'm a big um, proponent of what I call purposeful leadership. Purposeful leadership to me is both intentional, which purposeful can mean, but also filled with purpose. And part of that purpose is how do we positively contribute to the world? When I'm leading a team, I don't want to be the leader who is negatively impacting everybody around me, yet I'm getting great success because I'm putting so much negative pressure on them, they're scared of me, and they're just doing it to not get me mad or something. You know, I don't want to be that leader. I don't want to realize success while harming people, Mm. and so that's Mm. what I think of when I think of that leader.
0: Very good, very good. It's interesting. I'm a big fan of the whole kind of purposeful leadership type of stuff because it it it's something that we teach our clients ourselves. Because you know people are what we well it, you'll know this from being uh, working in in the realms of of leadership. You know people aren't m- motivated by money. You know people are motivated by you know the, the bigger picture. Especially if we look at millennials and sort of the younger generation, they're motivated by money they're motivated with the higher cause does that make sense
1: yes absolutely it makes sense and you do see kind of um growing in importance in the younger uh, generations you're right Mm. um i think it's so so important and i think traditional old school management didn't always think of it that way and um and that's too bad but i think we've learned over time that 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 old school way of managing hardcore just getting it done kind of thought process isn't the way to really motivate inspire and actually accomplish when you do this the way where you are positively impacting people you actually have more success in there yeah
0: very cool now i know we're coming towards the end of the interview but just in sort of the last minute have you got any um have you got any final thoughts uh, uh, at the end of our, while, while we're summing up?
1: Yes, I do. So one of the things that I kind of finish in my book with is I really want to end with the idea of hope. So I share in my book some situations where I did not handle things well at all. Um, and I'm, I'm open about that because I want people to understand that even if they've done some of these things in the exact opposite way, though when I'm suggesting they try in the five senses, that we still can shift, we still can learn, we can still practice these things, we can still have hope. Um, I, you know, realize these senses because I've learned them throughout my career and my life. And um, I still don't practice them perfectly. I still today make mistakes. I still then reflect afterwards how I could have done it better that sense of hope that no matter where you've been, what you've experienced, what you've done, you can shift it and improve it and have a better impact on those around you while building your own success simultaneously.
0: Love it. Very good. That's a, that's a great summary. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm a big believer is that the more that you help someone, add value to them, serve them, and give them the results, help them to accomplish what they want to accomplish, the universe will reward you in due kind. I suppose it's kind of you know the law of attraction law of success type of thing and you know and my good friends uh jack canfield and and, and bob proctor has, has written a lot about that and even dr john D. Martini, which you could which you guys can listen to by the way because it's in the podcast anyway so it's all good it's interesting because if julie's talking about it and jack's talking about it and john's talking about it it must be true right so that anyway listen julie i just want to say again thank you so much for being on the show, show today we really appreciate you being on here i hope you had some fun
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I really, really appreciate it. I always love chatting with you. It's so fun.
0: Very cool. And guys, if you have any questions or you'd like to reach out to um, to Julie uh, Yescape here, then do me a favor. Click on some of the links below. You can click on her social media links below and uh, just reach out to her. And when you do reach out to her, do mention the podcast because then she'll know, Oh, okay, well, I'll put two and two together and then she'll know exactly where you come from. So, um, so without further ado, hope you've enjoyed today's show and uh, from me and Julie we'll see you back in and again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care